Hello, I'm Regina Botras and welcome backstage where we talk with theatre makers from actors, directors, writers, theatre heads and beyond about their life in the theatre and how they got to be where they are now. My guest is Bernadette Pham. Bernadette is a multidisciplinary artist working across dramaturgy, writing, directing and creative producing and her latest production she is directing Chewing Gum Dreams at the Old Fitz Theatre by Michaela Cole. Uh, Bernadette is the past Create New South Wales Young Creative Leader Fellow and current creative producer at Green Door Theatre Company and Critical Stages Turing and artist in residence at PYT. At Fairfield. You may have seen her directing the Young Artist Ensemble for the Q Theatre and assistant director for Young Frankenstein at Hayes Theatre and also Lady Tabuli National Theatre of Parramatta for Sydney Festival. But she's here to talk with me about her life in the theatre and how she's come to the production Chewing Gum Dreams. Please welcome Bernadette Pham. Hello, hello. Thank you for talking to me. Thanks for coming on. I'm so looking forward to talking with you about Chewing Gum Dreams by Michaela Cole. But before we do, can you give me a little idea of how you came to be involved in the theatre in the first place? Did you come from a creative family? Like what was, you know, how did this all happen? Oh, I did not come from a creative family. It's interesting because we're all, me and my siblings are all naturally quite creative, but uh, none of us really pursued it or went into different degrees um honestly it came from high school good old high school drama year nine elective I started to really like it and go oh what is this other way of expressing yourself that I had no idea would be so accessible and just so free and fun to be honest quite fun (laughs) (laughs) the fun is what got me in the first place so it really started from high school and then I didn't see my first play until we went on an excursion in year 12 drama and then yeah it just went from there I I did an acting course after that took a big risk to do that but directing is something that I've always known I wanted to do I just I don't know, for some reason, it's weird. I did everything else before I did directing, even though I know that I always knew directing was my first love. (laughs) There's a lot of tools and a lot of skills that come with all of the other parts of theatre. And you say, like, you know, you did it because it's fun, but it's actually, there. it it is work as well. Yeah, 100%. It's so much work. And I'm a multidisciplinary theatre maker, so I do a little bit of everything. So I don't perform as much anymore, but I direct and write and dramaturg and produce and honestly each of those things informs the other I am so much stronger as an artist and as a storyteller having done all of those different disciplines so a lot of work but very much worth it Mm. I'm very excited about Chewing Gum Dreams I did watch um, I May Destroy You and I know this was Michaela Cole's first was it a stage play it's been made into a series as well how did you come to decide this and what was the inspiration behind that decision I knew this play for quite a few years before I knew the tv show I read it for the first time and I was just absolutely struck by how much I knew this piece like just how much I I come from a low socioeconomic background my family never 
had much very similar circumstances to Tracy and just I've never read a piece where I knew every single character in my bones in my bones and it was just absolutely like gobsmacking to me (laughs) and I know I can never fully claim uh, Tracy's experience uh, being a lighter skinned African woman Um, there's a lot uh, of really poignant and really complex storytelling about that experience as being a dark-skinned black woman in the piece Um, but it just absolutely excited me and I was just keen to get it on the stage and honour it the best that I can. Mm. Yeah, so she's a a UK writer and uh, very gritty and like really doesn't shy away from very difficult and emotional subjects. And I'm wondering actually when I was reading a little bit more about it if, uh, and I I can't help making the relationship between I May Destroy You and Chewing Gum Dreams, I'm wondering if that was her experience writing Chewing Gum Dreams for that she was writing about in I May Destroy You. We're getting off track. Let's give the audience a little bit of an idea about Chewing Gum Dreams. So set the scene for us. Where are we? Are you setting it here in Australia or in the UK? What's the world? So we are keeping it in early 2000s Hackney, London, but honestly it is so universal that it jumps straight off the sea and it's almost as if you could be in many of the different suburbs of western sydney there's just so much similarity in it and how it talks about class disparities something well something that Mesico and i who is my beautiful actress bonded over in the audition were um just talking about our experiences of class disparity and um how Western Sydney and Sydney are less than a 40 minute train ride, depending on where you are. I'm from Penrith, so I'm the, I'm the very end of it before the Blue Mountains. It's a Netflix episode train ride, maximum an hour if you get the all stops. And yet there's such a difference in class disparity and the way that it almost controls your place. It does. It controls your place in the world. Um, And I think Michaela Cole's comment on it and the way that she doesn't try to provide any answers for it. She just shows it how it is from this character's experience. And because it's so detailed and so honest and sometimes ugly, but so, so honest and true to that character's experience that it transcends being from London. And it's very much something that I can speak for myself, a lot of similar experiences here in Sydney and a lot of similar thoughts um, about the way that the world works. I, I've lived all over the place and made my way west and then up the mountains, but I had, had you know, at some time in my teenage years, lived around that area and there's this kind of stigma. Do you think that still exists? Like coming from the west, I don't know, lower class, this sort of personal battle or...? Our personal battles 100% exist and it's I think it's very much determined by outside noise because I, I can speak from my experience. I grew up with no money, <laughs> grew up with no money, being one of the only people of colour in my cohort and honestly, even though I did not have an easy upbringing, I never saw myself as less fortunate because there was that shared experience of being all coming from similar socioeconomic backgrounds and there wasn't much it wasn't until I actually started like I grew up I 
became closer into adulthood, I started exposing myself to more of the world around. So when I was growing up, social media wasn't as present as what it is now. Um, so it was very much still mostly defined by what you saw in front of your face. Mm. Um, it wasn't until I left and went to drama school that I was like, oh, I'm an other in the art space. I'm like, ah, this is, this is, this is odd. And I started to really, and I always experienced racism growing up, always experienced those sorts of things. So that's naturally what's going to happen when you're one of the few people of color in a predominantly white suburb. But it wasn't until I really started moving closer to Sydney for work, for social things that I really went, oh, not everybody lives like this um you always know you always know as a teenager you're not you're not dumb you learn these things at school but it doesn't really sink in until you see it so that was a big learning curve for me when I first entered adulthood but honestly I ever since that almost awakening and then meeting other incredible Western Sydney artists. I've never felt more proud of where I come from. Like people know me. I'm the person that's always like at any chance I get goes, I'm from Western Sydney, I'm from Western Sydney, I'm from Western <laughs> Sydney. Just because I'm so proud of it now. And honestly, I can't see myself living uh, living outside of Western Sydney now because it's just a different it's a different air. It's a different people. I feel so much more grounded here. And as much as the world is definitely changing with social media and with people becoming more aware from a younger age and teenagers these days are so switched on. It's ridiculous. It's, they are so incredibly insightful about the world and the way it works and class disparity. I tutored for like eight years after leaving high school, year 12 students and their minds, just in the space of a few years of me graduating, it absolutely transformed. But yeah, I think, I think it's definitely changing. I think social media and the accessibility that we now have to access different people's stories at the, at our fingertips is making a big, big, big difference. Are things changing fast enough? I don't know. I don't know, but honestly, I'm pretty inspired by the young people in the and places that they're taking us and in this play is that kind of what it's doing is it about that kind of self-acceptance it's one woman show Tracy at the center you know uh it's her experience is it in that kind of emotional world of self-acceptance of her socioeconomic world or what is her kind of transformation or what is she trying to what's her question I suppose it's really interesting because in the piece we definitely see a journey for Tracy in such a concentrated period of time. At the start of the play, you meet her. She doesn't think before she speaks. She's very observational from the get-go, but because she's purely working off observation how her community operates, the things she says aren't always the right thing. They're not always the most politically correct. She's not walking on eggshells. She says it how she sees it, and that's the way that the world works. Um, and she processes things really quickly. So things that we see as adults and we go, ooh, 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 Tracy, think about this for a second. She just moves on straight away and you go, what? <laughs> because we have hindsight that just comes with age. She's 14. The things mm. she cares about are very different to the things we care about. Oh. Um, and then as the piece goes on and um, certain circumstances occur, you really start to see the moments where she stops and she swallows what's happening. She actually takes a moment to digest it. Um, and there are some 
moments where you see this character who you might judge, who you might see as the girl shouting on the bus, as Michaela puts it, have one of the some moments of such deep, profound wisdom about the world and how it works and her place and her mother's place within it that you go, who? It's not that you didn't know this. You just accepted this from a very long time ago. And it's equal parts heartbreaking, but it's also quite affirming for a lot of people that have grown up in the same circumstances. I can't help but ask what age it is pitched to. If she's 14, can you take a 14-year-old or is it pitched to an old, someone who's had that experience? I would say just purely because of the content in the piece, it's still, I would say, at least 16 plus. <laughs> um, just because Michaela doesn't hold back, she does take us into quite violent territory, mm. um, both physical as well as verbal. Um there's so much light in this piece and so much humour that comes with this piece and I very much encourage people to laugh when they feel like they're not allowed to anymore. And um, But there is quite a lot of, it is quite a violent piece in, in parts. Um, mm. So I would say 16 plus at least, um, <laughs> probably 18, but we're saying 16 plus. Mm-hmm. Teenagers are so, they're exposed to everything. I watched Game really? of Thrones the time I was like nine before I knew what I was even watching and I was like <laughs> I didn't even know what I was now I look at it I'm like oh that's different <laughs> I should not have been watching that at nine <laughs> but yeah yeah that's the social media for you it's only or information has opened up the world <laughs> how is it be, how is it being back in the theater and like is there um you know you're in the old fits quite a small space how are you treating the space? And tell me what it's like to be back in the theatre um, with everything that's going on. It's a blessing. It's such a blessing. I feel for, I got impacted too, but I know so many artists who got impacted so much more than I did when it came with COVID over the past two years who lost so much work. Mm. And then rehearsing a piece um during COVID where uh, when we got programs, we got programmed a full year in advance. So that first year of COVID happened, we thought we're going to be okay. It's so far in advance. Um, And then the new wave came through and my team have been incredible. They've all been so flexible and um, resilient um, going through a rehearsal period and a production period, trying to get it up with multiple COVID cases, people working over Zoom, needing to be in bubbles, all these sorts of things that everyone in every industry is going through at the moment. But when we finally got an audience in on that first preview, it just... I, it was it was a, such a beautiful beautiful feeling and it mm. I think we all felt incredibly grateful and ready yeah to get this story out there yeah um and the old fits it's 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 such it's such a to answer your other question it's such an awesome space I'm a big fan my favorite theater uh is the theater that is small which is in which is intimate and is very much a conversation with the audience. Probably why I gravitated towards a one-person show <laughs> that breaks the fourth wall. But um, um, Masako and I, um, we describe the show as a big fat chat with the audience. Mm, gorgeous. It's, 
just talking to the audience as if they're best friends and it is absolutely unstoppable in that regard and so that's what the audience is going to experience they're just going to come in to Tracy's space and she's going to be having a chat with them um which is really lovely especially during COVID times having that connection rather than seeing a theatre piece I know for me seeing a theatre piece which has absolute fourth wall at the moment can still feel quite jarring in a time where I'm just craving human connection so I hope it'll, it will be a breath of fresh air for people yeah I'm sure it will be and it's getting great reviews Bernadette fam thank you so much for joining me thank you so much for having me thank you chewing gum dreams on at the old fits up until February is the 19th, 19th. 